Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I am so happy that you're here. Today is a very special episode. This is kind of a first. We are doing things a little bit differently. My guest today is my very best friend in the whole wide world. Her name is Jessica. She was the maid of honor in my wedding. We went to high school together, college together. We've been through so much life together, and today we're turning the tables a bit. In fact, Jessica is going to be asking me questions, and we're going to do a little bit of a uh, Coach Kaya tells all. And I'm just excited to be able to sit down with my best friend and inter- introduce you all to her. So, in just a moment, we'll let Jessica take the lead. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now, let's get climbing. Hello, beautiful, beautiful best friend. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's so good to see you get to do this. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. You know, when I first kicked off this podcast. I reached out to Jessica. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jess, we need to have you on the show. We should do an episode together. It only took 50 episodes, which (laughs) by the way, it feels also appropriate that I'm getting to celebrate the 50th episode. I can't believe that I've done 50 episodes with you. So I'm so excited. I also want to just note some things before we jump into this conversation. Number one, if I sound weird today, it's because I'm sick, but you know what? We're going to do it anyways. And I also want to let you know that Jessica is extremely pregnant, like ready to pop at any moment in time. You know, if we're lucky, actually, I don't want to jinx this. I'm like, maybe she'll give birth on a podcast today. I I don't want (laughs) to wish that on her or me or you, but she's very pregnant. I'm a little sick and we're just, we're just doing the most. Well, Kaya, thanks for for prefacing that because I am very pregnant, and we'll we'll see how this goes. Um, but any any minute now, <laughs> my little girl's coming, so I'm very excited for that. Oh, I'm so excited, man! Just I just can't believe how far we've come. Like, just first of all, Jessica has been dreaming of having a baby since we were maybe in middle school. Like, she was one of those people that was born to be a mother. I'd say, in fact, when we were in high school. Her nickname was Mama Gates. That's her maiden name. And we've just always, like, she's always been the mother figure of our friend group. And now your dream is about to come true. How does that feel? It feels very surreal and very exciting and also slightly terrifying. Um, At at any given minute, you can ask me and I might feel differently. But I'm just really excited to meet her and see, see who she turns out to be. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Well, I want to talk to you more about like all the fun pregnant things later, but you're, you're in charge today, Jessica. What, what do we think the people want to hear? So as you were introducing me and um, letting everyone know that it took 50 episodes to get me on this podcast, one of those reasons is because I am not as extroverted as you. I do not like <laughs> publicly speaking. I don't like being in the center of attention. I don't like being in in front of people. And you obviously are very different than that. And so I think (laughs) one one of the questions you've gotten a lot, and I think people would be interested to know is 
have you always been this outgoing? Like, has this been a lifestyle for, for you? Yeah. You know, okay. I'm going to answer. And Jess, I would also love you to answer as someone who's been best friends with me for so long. I would say that, yes, I would say that I've always been a very outgoing person um, and very extroverted. I think part of it is maybe genetic, but I also grew up in like a really big family. And so I feel like in my family growing up, you wanted to be heard or seen, like you had to be extroverted because there were just so many of us. Um, but I, I do think that I've always been that way since I was little. Now, I feel like I've always been fairly extroverted, but I haven't always been very confident, if that makes sense. I feel like my extrovertedness now comes with it self-confidence because I know myself better now than I did when I was younger. But I still was like in high school, like very involved and tried new things and kind of put myself out there. I feel like I've been good about taking risks and like meeting new people for all of my life. So I would say, I would say, yes, I've always been a very outgoing, personable person. What do you think, Jess? Yeah, this is just who I imagine Kaya has always been and will always be. Kaya, you spent a lot of time at my house growing up in high school (laughs) and my parents worked the night shift and so they would sleep during the day and so whenever they knew you were coming over they would be like please for the love of god jessica can you try to keep kaya's voice down because we are sleeping (laughs) and i never succeeded and i feel like it's usually your laugh that's the loudest (laughs) and you um probably one of my favorite favorite parts of you is your laugh for sure um because it is very infectious and very loud It is very loud. It's, you know, subtle is not a word I would use to describe myself in general, (laughs) um, especially when it comes to my laugh. In fact, when we were, so Jessica and I, we went to college together at UC Davis in Northern California. And I would get text messages from friends that were like, hey, were you just, were you just walking through, you know, whatever, insert the name of the hall? And I was like, yeah, why? They're like, I could hear you laughing from the classroom in the hallway. I'm like, oh, shit, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good thing you made such good friends with your roommates in college or else they probably would have hated you. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I always wonder, I just assume everyone likes me, but I bet there's people that are like, I cannot stand how loud and obnoxious she is, but that's okay. We're not for everyone, right? Can we talk about how you just said, I just assume everyone likes me? And is that something that you've always felt or believed or is that new for you? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I think especially when I was younger, and I'll admit, I still struggle with this. I think that I always really wanted everyone to like me. So I am an Enneagram three. I've become like really interested in the Enneagram lately. I'm an achiever. Um, but one of the things that threes are really good at, and this is also one of the things that makes us struggle too, is we're really good at knowing who we need to be for other people. And I would say growing up, I would walk into a room and I was really good at recognizing who else was in the room and what version of myself I needed to be or thought I needed to be in order for other people to like or approve of me. And while that can be helpful in some situations to get people to like you, it also, I think, made it hard for me to know who I was separate from what other people perceived of me because I put so much value in other people's perception of me instead of just learning how to love who I was and be confident in myself separate from other people's opinions. And in full transparency, that is something that I still struggle with to this day of just authentically being me and allowing people to love and accept that version of me without even unconsciously 
trying to be someone that other people likes, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I can see how that would translate to into having a hard time with boundaries of like wanting to please people or want like, you know, we're just talking about how you are, you're feeling sick. And part of the reason is because you've been go, go, go for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's all things you'd like to do and want to do and are excited about. And also I wonder if that makes it harder to like say no to things professionally or personally to be able to give yourself time and space to rest. Oh my gosh, 1000%. I like to say that I am a recovering people pleaser and um, there's still a lot of recovery that needs to happen. <laughs> um, I feel like that is that is definitely something that I struggle with. I'm always very quick to say yes. And I think that the older that I get, the better I am at recognizing, do I actually want to do this? And realizing too, there was this, this podcast I listened to years ago that really stuck up out to me. And it was about people pleasing. And the woman said, if you are a people pleaser, you are a manipulator and a liar. And I was like, whoa, what? Excuse me? What is it? Like, I always kind of saw my my people pleasing tendencies as being like, oh, you know, I just love making everyone happy. Like, what's so bad about that? Like, I almost saw it as this like beautiful quality about myself that I was a people pleaser. But what she said that really made me pause and think about it was, When you are people-pleasing, you are essentially being dishonest about your desires and wants. You're saying yes to things you don't actually want to do in order for someone to think a certain way about you. And so what you're doing is being dishonest with your intention in order to manipulate their perception of you. And when she said it that way, my mind was alone. Because I was thinking about how many times have I said yes to someone or yes to something because I'm like, oh my gosh, well, I don't want them to think I'm a, an asshole or I don't want them to think that I'm rude. So like I'm going to say yes or go and do this thing. And the whole time I'm there, I'm feeling resentful towards them because I'm doing something I don't want to do just because I want them to continue to like me or think that I'm a certain type of person. And so it becomes this unhealthy thing where I'm lying to myself, I'm lying to them in order to make them like me, but now I'm resentful. And it just totally like challenged my perception on people pleasing Mm -hmm. and made me reconsider like, okay, actually being honest with people and setting boundaries is not only loving to myself, but it's loving to them too, because it allows me to be honest and authentic. And that is a muscle that I'm still working on strengthening. I'm still not great at it, but I'm a work in progress. Well, we all are. Um, And it sounds like what you need is to purposefully have people like try to have people not like you and just get used to the feeling of people not like you. Honestly, yes. Because I don't know anyone who doesn't like you. So like, you're going to have to try pretty hard, I think. My new mission in life is to get people not to like me. (laughs) I love this. Okay. And the other thing I didn't mention as we started this podcast, which I feel like I should let you know now, Jessica professionally is also a therapist. So um, if you hear Jessica also asking really thoughtful questions as we're discussing this, that might be why. And let me just say as a side note, I highly recommend getting a best friend who's a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. It does make our conversations very fun, I would say. Um, Also, fun fact, my therapist one time told me to, I, I also have a perfectionistic tendencies and that played out a lot in school and getting grades and like was I was really focused on that and she told me to try to get a B in a class instead of an A and I never went and saw her again so you know we're all a work in progress (laughs) I love that okay it's funny 
Jessica brings that up. So Jessica was like, she is, I'm trying to think about what I would describe you as in high school. Jessica was like very, I would say straight edged. Is that the right word? I don't know if that's the right word. She was like the, the good girl, right? Like she didn't do drugs or drink alcohol. She got perfect grades. She was like involved in sports and leadership and just like the most kind and loving person. She wanted to do what was right. She was also like very goofy and like we, she had her, her quirks, you know, like I'm not saying she was like this boring, you know, (laughs) teetotaler, but, but she was like very much that side of things. And I feel like I was, I was similar in high school, but while Jessica was so focused on getting straight A's because she had this perfectionism thing, I was focused on getting straight A's because I wanted people to think that I was successful. But let's just say Jessica helped me get a lot of those straight A's in high school and <laughs> college. <laughs> yes, you, Kaya, the way you would say it in, in college is you were really smart, but you were also just smart socially. You knew what to do socially to, to be able to get where you needed to go. That um, is so that's, true. That's obviously taken you pretty far. It has. In fact, Underneath my graduation cap at college, I had written the words that I coined. I mean, I think I coined them. It's probably a thing. But social productivity, that was my thing. I was like, listen, getting good grades and studying, great, productive. This is what we paid money for. But also being social is productive too. And I will say that all my social tendencies in college and the network that I built has served me so well in life. So I think it takes a little bit of both. Yeah, you, I will say though, girl, you stressed me out, like in high school and college, (laughs) watching you wait until the night before a 10 page term paper was due that we were in the same class together. And then you'd be like, oh, I got to get started on that paper. And I would like break out in hives for you. And then you would pull it off, get a great grade. And like, you were stressed for one night and that was it. And I'd been stressing for weeks. So I don't think there's a right way to do it, but... (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that interesting? You know, this is the problem. I still struggle with procrastination. And I think one of the reasons for that is in high school and college, I always forget if it's positive or negatively reinforced. My negative behavior was positively reinforced because I pulled, listen, if you are a college student, I do not recommend this. Okay. This is just what I did. I would wait until the night before, like Jessica said, to write like one night, my final quarter of college, I graduated one quarter early, but my my final quarter of college, I didn't even learn by then. I had two term papers. My final papers due the next day. And I started both of them the night before, the night before, pulled an all-nighter. But this is the thing, you guys, I got an A on both of them. So if, I, if it kept working, it never changed the behavior of procrastinating. And unfortunately, I notice it's still showing up right now in my life and my business. So I guess I just need to like fail something last minute so that I'll change my behavior. But so far. Also, if it works for you, do you need to change it? I would I would think about the the pros and cons of the procrastination. Because I do think some like having a timeline and some anxiety can be productive. But it makes me anxious watching you not be anxious about yeah. the deadlines that <laughs> you had with term papers. But that that is the, I think, innate difference between me and you. Totally. Totally. Okay. So I do have some more questions. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, Some common questions that you get. And then I also have some more personal questions. What is something people that follow you on social media might not know about you in real life? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. What would they not know about me in real life? I almost want to ask you, Jess, I'm trying to think what it would, what would they not know about me? I think people that follow me on social media probably assume, okay, 
One quick side note. One thing that I'm super proud of is I have heard over and over again from people that meet me in person after following me on social media. They say, oh my gosh, you're just like you are on Instagram. And I feel very proud of that because I don't want to show up as two different versions of myself and have people meet me and be like, oh my gosh, wait, you're nothing like I expected. So I think that a lot of what you see is what you get, but I'm trying to think about parts of me that I don't always show on social media. I mean, I think I try to be I try to be open on social media about when things, when I am struggling. But I mean, of course, I don't share all of the things I'm struggling with. I feel like something that I try to do is I don't want to always share from an open wound. And so while I'm struggling with something personally, I might not be sharing it in social media in real time because I want to sort through it first before I share what I'm going through mm-hmm. or what I've learned. And so I think some people might assume through social media that I'm always happy or that I'm always positive, always energetic, and always outgoing. And that's not true. I'm a normal human. I have off days, down days, days when I am like in a funk and in a rut or just frustrated like anybody does. And maybe I don't always show that on social media. I don't know, Jess, what do you think people would know about me? I do. I agree. I think there's, you're, you're pretty real. And I do think you do share like the real things that might not be in real time, like you said, uh-huh. um, or you might not be show, obviously sharing like specifics about your life because you're allowed to have personal boundaries around what you share and don't share too. I think maybe what people don't get to feel from you is be just because, you know, social media is only so dimensional and um, they don't get to feel what it's like to be in relation with you and to like feel loved by you in the way that I think you're able to share in person with the people that like do know you, even though I, I do think people obviously understand that you're loving and caring in my mind, because that's how I see you. So I'm just projecting my thoughts too. But yeah, I, that's really sweet. That's like well, so sweet. Well, I love you and you love me. And that's, that's a really special relationship to me too. So. It really is. And you know, I do, I love social media and I love getting to connect with people from all around the world, but it is, it's different than being in person with people, which is one of the reasons why I'm so excited with the world opening back up where I get to go to these speaking events. And my favorite thing about going to these events, and I'm hosting my first retreat coming up this summer too. So like, if you want to be loved by me in person, that sounds so weird when I say it like that. If you want to be loved by me in person, (laughs) Um, my retreat is coming up this August. So don't worry. I will not accost you. That sounded really creepy. But I would love, I just, I love loving on people so much. And my favorite thing about getting to travel and speak at these different events is honestly the conversations before and after I'm on stage or like in the evening when I get to talk to people one-on-one and like hear their stories. I genuinely love people. And I love strangers for better or for worse. Sometimes my (laughs) friends who don't love strangers, they like, I go into public with them and they're like, oh my God, Kaya, stop, stop. But I just love strangers. Like I can become best friends, like especially in women's restroom lines at bars, I will become best friends with everybody in there. So it is true. I do feel like I can love people through social media, but I feel like I'm really good at loving people in person. 
I am so excited to invite you to join me live in person August 21st to the 23rd at my first ever live Climb Women's Retreat here on the Central Coast of California. There are only 36 spots available for this intimate three-day retreat where you can say yes to yourself again, create powerful connections, learn from inspiring speakers, and grow self-confidence all while finding joy in the journey. Now, this isn't just any women's wellness retreat. It's about mind, body, and soul. Alongside other women, you'll rediscover the power and beauty within yourself and leave with a sense of rejuvenated energy unlike ever before. I'm hosting it at one of my favorite places in the world and one of the most iconic hotels in all of California, the Madonna Inn. Join us for connection, deep learning and understanding about yourself, and so much fun. Will there be charcuterie and wine? Absolutely. Will there be a sunset dinner by the beach? Absolutely. Will there be so much joy? Oh, you better believe it. There are only 36 spots available, so don't wait. Come grab your seat. Click the link below in the show notes to join or visit coachkaya.com to learn more. Hope to see you here this summer in sunny California. Well, and that brings me to because you are so good at meeting people anywhere you go and making friends anywhere you go. I think it's one of the reasons that maybe you've loved traveling so much. And so I don't know if people know how much you are in your heart a traveler, but where are some of the places you've traveled to that you enjoyed the most and where do you still want to go? Oh my gosh. I could talk about this for like 17,000 episodes. Okay. First thing, I grew up on a rural ranch in California. Like I had to drive an hour one way to go to high school. So just to paint a picture for you too, you heard about Jessica's poor parents who worked night shift and like basically were vampires for most of their life. Those sweet Rick and Julie, they also had to deal with me basically moving into their house during the week because I... I straight up just claimed them as like my home away from home because I had to drive an hour one way to go to high school. So I had like friends, families that would adopt me. So I basically like was adopted by the Gates family. But growing up, my family did not travel at all. Like my dad had been on a plane one time, my mom just a handful of times because we, we lived on a ranch. We lived rural. We did not have a lot of money at all. Our only vacations we ever went on were like a couple hours away. We got into shooting archery. And so we shot archery competitively. I say competitively. Like I went for the, you know, the M&Ms at the snack bars on the archery range, let's be honest. But we didn't we didn't travel at all. And so I didn't start traveling until I was in college and I was involved with some ag leadership organizations. My first time on a plane was junior year of college and it was from Fresno, California to San Diego, California. It was like a 40-minute plane ride, but I was so excited. And then from there, I just started like – I traveled a ton in the States for collegiate programs, and then I got to go international through another ag leadership program through National FFA. I got to travel to Brazil for my first time out of the country. It was freaking amazing. I would absolutely love to go back to Rio de Janeiro, the most breathtaking views of my life. And then after college – I kind of wanted to put off the real world for another year. So I applied for this program and was so fortunate to be selected. And I got to move to Germany for a year after college. So I got to put off getting a big kid job. I studied language over there and I went to an ag university for a semester and I had an internship and it was freaking phenomenal. Also really challenging to live in a different culture, um, especially someone as myself, who's like such a people person, I'm very much like a hug, like affectionate person. And Germans are not that way when you first meet them. I remember someone describing, um, we went, we had to go through cultural training and they said, um, Americans are like peaches and Germans are like coconuts. 
Americans, we have this like soft outer shell, like we're soft like a peach. Like you meet someone for the first time, you ask them how they're doing. Um, We're very polite, but some people would say we're very, we sugarcoat things and we're very surface level. But when you get down below that, we have a harder core and we don't really let people in or we make a lot of empty promises like, yeah, we should totally go grab dinner and then never get dinner together. I know I'm definitely guilty of that. Germans though, they come off really cold, right? They have this hard shell. You think they don't like you or that they're rude. But it's just part of their culture. But once you break through that shell, they have this soft center and you're best friends for life. And I found that to be true, but it was definitely challenging for me. And I got to travel all over Europe while I lived abroad. Gosh, and I loved it so much and I'm craving it so much again. I haven't been international since I moved back in 2015. And I'm very excited. We have some some stuff on the books over for the next year. We're going to Mexico this year for my our friend's um, 10-year wedding anniversary. We have a friend getting married in the Dominican Republic. I'm going to be in a wedding in Tuscany, Italy. And the latest dream, Jess, that I have been wanting to manifest because I want to have babies, right? But now having my best friend ready to have a baby, I realize how much I don't want babies right now. <laughs> like I'm so excited for you. Yes. I just want to be a really good aunt. Uh, I'm so excited for you, but I'm realizing like, okay, now that that's the quote unquote next step, I want to savor the season. And I want to, you know, this is like that season in life where we're like pretty financially free. We currently rent month to month. We don't own a home, you know, for better or worse. And we don't have any dogs. We do have some porch cats, but like, they're going to be fine. And I can work from wherever in the world. Brent, it's a little harder, but I am just craving one more like really big adventure before the adventure of kids. And so the current dream that I'm trying to manifest is when we fly to Italy next May for my friend Jinsel's wedding, I want to buy a one-way ticket. And I want to travel for an undecided amount of time, I guess up to three months, because that's what you can do on a travel visa to Europe. And I just want to travel. I just want to travel. And work remote and prove to myself that I can be successful and have a business that thrives no matter where I'm at in the world. And because I just feel like so many of us are like the traditional, you know, formula for our parents' generation, the generation before that was go to school, get good grades, graduate, get a good job, get a pension, make a lot of money, buy a house, have kids, build the family, retire, and then travel. But I feel like now getting to see like so many people that are in, at that phase, I'm like, they don't have the ability to travel like they used to, right? And it's like, we we do all this stuff to be old enough to have the money and freedom to do it, but we don't have the health to do it. And so I kind of want to challenge that traditional path and say like, we have the rest of our lives to own a home and like settle down and have babies. I mean, yes, there is a bit of a timeline, but I just want to I'm never going to look back and regret like, oh my gosh, I am so mad that we took those three months to travel the world. No one ever says that. And so I'm hoping that we do that next year. And one of my dreams, my husband really wants to go to Egypt. And I think it'd be so cool on our way back to the States after traveling next year. Fingers crossed if it's going to happen. We stop in Egypt and like do a little Nile cruise. So those are some of my current travel dreams. I oh yes, I love traveling. <laughs> you do. I know you do. I have so many more questions about this, but I know it'll take the rest of the time. Switching gears a little bit, Kaya, will you please share with us what is one of your most embarrassing moments? <laughs> okay, I was thinking about this, and <laughs> Jessica told me, Jess, you were like, 
I have so many things that come to mind for yourself. Oh right? my gosh. I, I have a li- a laundry list of embarrassing moments that I could share about and would be embarrassed to share about. But Kaya, I don't know the answer to this question for you. See, and this is the thing. I know that I have a lot of embarrassing moments and I'm going to try to come up with something. The problem is I think it's hard for me to get embarrassed or maybe I'm just really good about like wiping those embarrassing moments from my mind and moving on. But one thing, the first thing that comes to mind, and I guess it's just because I talked about this recently with someone because we were talking about like when we were young and how how you can look back to your childhood and have such vivid, distinct memories of something happening mm-hmm. that still haunts you in your adulthood or makes you still do certain behaviors. So this is the story. When I, if I am sitting outside on a plastic chair to this day, okay, and it is hot outside, okay, when I go to sit up, this is going to sound so weird. <laughs> when I go to sit up, I will intentionally slide and scoot my butt forward on the chair before I stand up. And this is why. I have this very vivid memory going back to elementary school. I might've been in junior high. Y'all, I went to a very small rural school that had kindergarten through eighth grade, 50 kids in the whole school. I only had three teachers from kindergarten to eighth grade. So it's very fuzzy to me how old I was because they all just kind of blend together. Anyways, we were in choir. By the way, the whole school had to be in choir because if not, we wouldn't have a choir. So we were in choir and we were, it was one of those, you know, like musical things where you sing and then you sit down, you stand up and you do like little hand gestures or motions, you know, the deal. Anyways, we were doing the stand up, sit down thing and it was a hot day. Okay. I was a bigger girl and I had a bad case of swass, sweaty ass. Okay. Like you, you, we've all been there, right? It gets humid down there. Okay. And I like, we were doing the sit down on the plastic chairs in choir, stand up. And when I stood up, the boys behind me, including my cousin Tanner, that little turd, and Jessica, you know who he is. So just picturing <laughs> little Tanner, Tanner and these other boys in the row behind me were pointing at my chair and laughing and giggling because it would like, it left a little like, you know, steamy, humid, like butt, ch- butt cheek, butt crack mark on the plastic chair. And it was this, it was like horrific. It was sit down, stand up this whole time. And I just had like, sweat, butt sweat marks on the plastic chair. And so still to this day in my adulthood, I always sit up, like I will slide my butt forward to wipe off any moisture that could be left behind on a plastic seat because I'm so mortified someone's going to see my butt crack, humid sweat on a chair. (laughs) (laughs) Kids are so mean sometimes, but also who has not been there? Like we have all been there. Um, those yeah. plastic chairs, those are mean chairs to be sitting Agreed. in. Oh yeah, my so gosh. I just hope that if anyone's listening that has a bad case of swass, you're not alone. I feel you. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> you saying swass also reminds me. Um, one thing I don't know if people fully know about you is how your humor can be very dirty and very oh, yeah, funny. That's but true. like growing up, my parents thought you were so funny. But if I said any of the things, They'd be like, that's inappropriate. What are you saying? And I'll be like, oh, no, no, no. Kaya said this. And then they would laugh and laugh. And so I blamed things on you (laughs) through college. Through college. We had a poster in our house in college that was like, I don't know if it was like a beer pong poster or 
a sex position. Po- it was some stupid college garage poster. And when my parents came to visit, they were like, Jessica, what is this? I was like, oh, Kaya gave it to us for a housewarming gift. Isn't that so funny? And then they laughed and thought it was hilarious and didn't yell at me about it. <laughs> Meanwhile, y'all, I had never even seen this poster yet. I had nothing to do with it. But Jessica had just gotten so good about blaming anything inappropriate on me to get away with it that it worked. Totally worked. worked. Yeah. My parents love you. So you could do no wrong. You know, I think that's a good point. I don't think I'm as inappropriate on social media as I actually am in real life. Mm Y'all, I am the youngest and I have two older brothers and my family, I, I was not um, what I would say a sheltered child. Like for example, um, when I think back to like my childhood movies that I think of when I was younger, you know, what comes to mind for me, Austin Powers and scary movie. Like those are not appropriate for young children to watch, but, and I didn't really understand the humor at the time, but let's just say, yeah, I do have a little bit of an inappropriate sense of humor. It comes out more in person, but I guess that is true. I'm not as vulgar on social media. (laughs) Yes. And I was very sheltered on the other hand as the oldest. And so, yeah, you taught me a lot of fun words in high school. It was great. You're welcome. You're welcome to your mom and dad too. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I'm sure they appreciate it. Oh goodness. I love you. Okay. So thinking about high, I want to get a little more serious for a second. Thinking about high school, we were, we met freshman year. We were pretty close throughout all of high school, definitely really, really close. I think after freshman year, especially. And we were a part of like a pretty big friend group. And I know you've talked about kind of what it felt like for you to not be confident in your body um, at that time in your life, which is something I didn't know at that point. That's not mm-hmm. something you talked about back then or were, were very open. I knew you had kind of like certain rules for yourself of like when we yeah. were getting dressed for track, you would wear your leggings under your short. Like I, I just knew you would dress a certain way or, or not wear certain things. I think one time we like almost forced you to not wear leggings under a dress for like a senior event. Yeah, and it was top 30. I remember it distinctly because it mortified me. <laughs> so that, <laughs> I'm glad I could be a part of mortifying you. I apologize for that. <laughs> but also, don't really, because like we wanted you to know how much we all loved you, and I didn't think any of that mattered. But I'm wondering, was there things in high school that you wish you could have talked about with your close friends? Or oh, that's a good um, that you maybe were holding alone? Or things that we did to make you feel like you had to hold it alone? Ooh, that is such a good question. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because obviously I'm really open now on social media about all of the things I struggled with then in in high school and in college. And to your point, like I was not open about it. I also think I was really good at masking my insecurities in my body with humor. I used humor to buffer it away a lot. And so it's kind of this concept of, I don't think people knew how much I like struggled with my own self-love and self-worth because I would always make it a joke. And I think it was a defensive thing of like, well, if I make a joke about my body, nobody else can do it. And so I think I was really good about hiding and masking it but under that. And it, yeah, I did have rules for myself. So like when I look back at track photos, I always – I was like so terrified of just letting my knees show, which is so funny when I think back to it now. But like there was a rule. I would only wear dresses if they went below the knees and even my shorts 
in PE because sometimes they would drift up above the knee. I would wear leggings under my shorts. And that top 30, it was like a scholarship night. There was this really cute dress that I'd got and it was above the knee. And my friends were like, you're going to wear this and you're not going to wear leggings under it. And I remember sitting on stage, like accepting my award and them taking pictures, just thinking, oh my God, everyone can see everything. Everyone can see everything. But guess what, you guys? I didn't die. I didn't die. It was fine. I survived. It was a cute dress. But I think... You know, I feel like my insecurities, my bodies started long before high school, even going to like a small little elementary school. And I compared myself a lot, not only to like people that I saw on TV, like that was a big piece of it, but also not that I had very many kids in my school, but like my best friend and cousin growing up, Lakin, um, we're built very differently. Her family is like very athletic like naturally very thin. And my family is not that way, but I would always just naturally compare myself to them. And I I never looked like them. I would never look like them. Like we're totally built differently. Um, But I feel like I was, like I couldn't borrow my friend's clothes when I went over to stay at their houses. And that is something that always killed me. And I remember, and this is like even after college or high school and college, but like if I would go over to someone's house and I know that they had a a hot tub or a, a swimming pool, I would intentionally not pack anything to wear. And people would offer me like, hey, do you want to, you know, I have some shorts, you want to put them on? And I would always refuse because the thing that mortified me the most was having someone offer me a pair of shorts to wear and them still not fitting. And I feel like I went through a lot of like silent terrors in social situations like that that I never talked about. And I don't know why I didn't talk about it. You know, I feel like I wish that I could have because I think that I also back then I had this assumption that I was the only one that's felt that felt that way because I was one of the only ones in my friend group that existed in a larger body. And I also think that I had an inflated perception of how large my body was compared to other bodies. You know, it's like when I go back and look at myself now in pictures, I'm like, I was not even like yeah, sure. I was overweight, but there was nothing wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with me. So much of it was in my head. And I think it was like maybe a little bit of body dysmorphia. Like I had even inflated what my body looked like. Like I made it, I made myself feel like it was so much drastically different than the other kids that I was in school with. And um, I was just going to say, I don't think you were alone with that because now being an adult and talking to high school friends I don't think there was one of us who didn't feel that way and felt alone in it and I know we were different sizes in high school but I also felt like I had rules for my body I couldn't do certain things I um looking back now I'm like what was I thinking what where did that come from but I do think it's like developmentally at that time was such a a part of being a teenager and like yeah feeling like all eyes were on you all the time and judging you all the time. But I I was curious, you know, I think when I found out, when we actually started talking about our insecurities with each other senior year, and I think it started because I started to be more open about my insecurities about my body. Yeah. Um, I was also going through a really hard time and I like felt like I needed to control something. And I don't think it was necessarily a healthy mindset I was in at that time, looking back on it. But I'm also wondering if things like that in comments and people kind of being open about their own feelings about themselves made it harder for you at that time to feel like you could be open. Because if, you know, I'm over here in a smaller body saying, I feel really bad about myself or I don't like this, if that, how that impacted you. 
Yeah, I think it's kind of both because I think looking back to, I thought that these negative body image beliefs were reserved for people that were bigger like me. And what I know now to be true is that all of us, all people of all shapes and sizes struggle it is not reserved for people that exist in larger bodies. And I think that was a misconception that I had a lot growing up. And I think then I remember too, when I was younger, when my friends who in my mind were like beautiful, had the perfect bodies, super athletic, always had a boyfriend. And yes, I'm talking about you, Jessica. (laughs) In my mind, when I had friends like that, that would complain about their bodies, in my mind, it was a little bit like, instead of being able to be compassionate and be able to say like, oh my God, I'm not alone. We all struggle. It was more of a like, this bitch doesn't even know. And I didn't actually think mm-hmm. you were a bitch, but like in my head, I'm like, God, she doesn't, like how how dare she? How how? And I'm not even just talking about you. I'm thinking about any any person in what I at the time envisioned was a smaller, beautiful, a body that I would have loved to have. And they talked bad about themselves. I would think, how dare you? Like I would mm-hmm. give anything to be in a body like that. Instead of being able to recognize now, like it was never about our bodies. It was always about our perceptions of our bodies and we all struggled with it. But yeah, it's it's so interesting to think back to it now. And at the same point, like the way I was talking to my body, there was probably someone who was disabled thinking, how dare she? How dare she talk about her body? Like she has legs that can work, you know? It's just, it's so interesting to think about. Yeah, the comparison only ever goes the one way to make ourselves feel worse, I feel like. And yeah, I've thought about that since high school and growing up and my body changing and and feeling similarly towards other people who talk bad about themselves and be like, what? (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. And, you know, back in high school, I never would have said anything or thought anything negative about you or your body. It was so selfish. Like everyone, I think, was so kind of self-involved and so so selfish focused on themselves and it just it really shows me like the way we talk to ourselves is so different than the way we talk to people we love 100 um, and I'm glad that that has shifted for both of us <laughs> um over time when we've been able to to create different relationships but yeah that that's a hard place to be in that that period of time developmentally where it's, it's very common for everyone to feel like that I think the other thing that I struggled with when I think back, and this was not just a high school thing. It started in high school, went through college and even after, but I think something that I struggled with too, and I think I made it about my body, was I was my biggest fear, and I know that there's probably women listening to this right now that still have this fear. My greatest fear was that I was going to die alone. You know, I did not have my first kiss until college, after college. I can't even think. There was like a couple of things where I'm like, I don't think that counted. Um, it was like I was after like, college, I have really. a different opinion of that, but <laughs> that's because yeah. those don't really count. <laughs> yeah, they don't really count. But it was, you know, I had friends who were in relationships and had boyfriends or had crushes or had people that liked them. And I had this story in my head that no one could ever love me in this body because I had never kissed a boy or never had a boyfriend and all of these things. And that was, yes, definitely in high school. And then in my mind, I was like, okay, that was just high school. Like college, everything's going to change. And, you know, in college, I think that's where I really struggled with it. Because the other thing on top of it was in college, I was like very straight laced in high school. 
was a, a part of the organizations on campus. It was like anti-drugs and alcohol, like very, like got good grades, involved in leadership, involved in sports. And then when I went to college, like, yeah, I, I did partake in some drinking. And so then drinking would also magnify my discomfort or depression or how lonely I was in the evening mm-hmm. sometimes. Not always, but like mm-hmm. I had, and I'm, you were there for some of them. Like I had multiple sitting in my dorm cry sessions about how sad and lonely I was and how convinced I was going to die alone. And, you know, it's so interesting too, thinking back now, and I've even talked to my mom about this, is I I wonder too how much I closed myself off to the opportunity because I assumed that nobody could like me or love me in a body that I had now. But in hindsight, I'm like, you know, that person actually, I think, was into me. They were interested in me. They were flirting with me, but I didn't think that I deserved any love or like or affection or attention from other people. So I completely rejected it. Mm-hmm. And that is interesting to look back on in hindsight. I know. I remember some of those moments. I, and I also remember someone who I thought liked you and trying to tell you, like, no, I think they like you. Like, and there was nothing anyone else could say or no. do to like help you feel like I, I do think that was a journey you needed to take yourself totally but it's hard to watch as a friend who loves you so much you like know you're worth everything you're worth the world like someone would be so lucky to be with you but yeah you you needed to feel that way first yeah and I feel like if anyone's listening to this and is in that place where you're like shit I'm however old and I'm convinced I'm never gonna find love I see you and I am sending love to you like I've felt that deeply But I do feel like the most important relationship we can be in first is the one with ourselves. And I know that might sound like cliche or cheesy. And I think everyone is deserving of love and being in a relationship that feels loving and wonderful and like having a partner if that's what you want. But I do think that if you're seeking that love in order to finally feel worthy of love yourself, that's not going to work. I think it's learning how to like love and receive love first from yourself in order to even be open and receptive to other people. At least that was my story. Now I'm wondering, like, how how did you accept that from Brent? You know, that's interesting because even in my wedding vows, I had everybody at our wedding crying when I was reading this part because I said something in, in our wedding vows to the point of, you loved me before I really knew how to love myself because I do feel like so much of my self-love journey really, really got deep while I was dating Brent. And, but I do think that it had kind of already started. I had, I had built a lot of self-confidence in myself, I think by challenging myself to move abroad. Then when I, after I came back from Germany, I did not move back home to California. I moved to Kentucky. I knew one person in Kentucky. And so I moved to Kentucky. I had like built these relationships and friendships with people. And I think that I was getting more confident in who I was as a person. And so I think I was finally more receptive. But even with Brent, so Brent was interested in me from like day one. And I think, I mean, I was interested in him too. It's interesting to hear him tell the story. He would tell it differently. (laughs) Um, He'd be like, she was ready to jump my bones from day one. Um, That's how he would tell the story. But um, (laughs) amazing. yeah, but so he, we met at the Kentucky State Fair my first week on the job. And actually met him the day I got an ambush makeover at the fair. Like you could not make this stuff up. The timing of it was just, it's hysterical to think about now. But I was convinced he did not actually like me. 
it took my coworkers telling me like, Kaya, it is very obviously that it's very obvious that he likes, you know, I was like, no, no, no. And I would just brush it off and brush it off. And I continued at the time he was living like four hours away on the other side of the state. And I'd run into him at like industry events and stuff. And finally he was at this event at the university of Kentucky and my coworkers were there too. And I wasn't there that day. And they walked up to him and they said, Brent, why haven't you asked Kaya out yet? I had no idea they were doing this by the way. And so they were like, why haven't you asked Kaya out yet? And Brent at the time thought that I was in a relationship already because I had a bunch of the, the friends that I would hang out with were other guys and I was not dating any of them. And so Brent like didn't ask me out because he thought I was dating somebody else. And they cleared up that rumor and told him like, nope, she's not, she's single. And so then he had reached out to ask me out, but it took a lot of convincing from people for me to even recognize that Brent was interested in me because I was still in that place where I didn't, I still wasn't convinced that other people, that someone, that a, a man could be interested in me in that way because I was still so insecure in my body. And then so much of my self-love journey did happen while I was with Brent. And like, let's be honest, these self-love journeys are never ending. You know, it's not, I don't think that you just like arrive at a place where you fully and wholly love yourself. I think it's learning. It's like any relationship, right? It takes work in order to stay strong. But I do think that I had, I had started. I had definitely built a lot more confidence in myself um, at that point. And I guess I will say, Brent would probably be like, why did you talk about that on the podcast? I think the other thing that helped me feel more confident is I, <laughs> like, do I want to reveal this on the podcast? Whatever. We're going to do it. Um, I had like one week in Europe where I just like, my only quote unquote wild week, I like kissed a few boys. That was the wildest week I've ever had in my life. But it took that one week in Europe to me being like, okay. If random people that I met at a bar, wow, this is going to make me sound, I feel so like wild, which is so funny, you guys. I'm like the most innocent person ever. But I think honestly that like letting my hair down and like letting loose for like a week in Europe where there's nobody that I know, I think that helped me a little bit, like build some confidence. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I recommend a wild week in Europe for everybody. <laughs> There's, yeah, there's no pressure. You're never going to see them again. It's, you don't know anyone. I could totally yeah. see that. Like, be safe and responsible. Please don't go down any creepy, like, dark alleys with people. No, but no. it, yeah. <laughs> Wild week. That's Kaya's prescription for everyone here. Um, I also had myself, I would say, a wild month where I kissed, like, three boys. And then in college and then the last boy was Kyle who now I'm married to and having his baby so I always say he like who knows what I could have done who knows who I could have been I was I could have gone down a whole different path but I guess you heard it here first it's the wild week it's the wild week that's what does it I guess that's what does it <laughs> okay Jess I want to ask you while we're talking about like our relationships with ourselves and our bodies mm -hmm. I'm curious you're about ready to give birth like at any moment in time how has this, as a side note too, I love having a best friend that's pregnant because I feel like I can ask her like the very intimate, like weird questions without it being weird, you know? Oh, yeah. But how has your relationship with your body kind of evolved through pregnancy? Yeah, it has been such a wild ride. I think the way I look at my body is very different. There's, because it, I, I think about the function of it or the um, I'm not really thinking about how it looks all the time, uh -huh. like to outside people. I just care about how do I feel? And so sometimes yeah. I'll walk around the house and like, I'm so big. And when I say that, my husband's like, 
oh, you're beautiful. But I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not saying like, oh no, I'm, I'm big. And I don't like being big. Like, no, like this is uncomfortable. Like my belly is like pulling my whole center of gravity forward. Like that's what I'm trying. Like I'm trying to describe the function of my body. Uh Um, it has been freeing in a lot of ways to, I never once this pregnancy have been like, Oh, I need to lose weight. Um, and to have that taken off the table has been really freeing, I think in some ways, but I care a lot more about like, how is my body working? Is my body healthy? Is my baby healthy? What do these, you feel all kinds of weird things. Girl, let me tell you, it is not been an easy ride (laughs) this pregnancy (laughs) I felt all kinds of things I had never felt before um I'm more grateful for my body in a lot of ways um and the way it normally functions I'm really excited to have my body back in some sense of the word I know it'll never be the same and I'll be breastfeeding hopefully for a while but I I've had really really bad stretch marks on my lower belly and I don't care about how they look I just care that they itch like heck. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. So when I complain about my stretch marks, I'm complaining because they're itchy and uncomfortable. And like, it feels like yeah. my skin is done stretching. Can you stop stretching? Not because I don't want yeah. more stretch marks, but because it doesn't feel good. Um, I do think it'll be a journey in recovery and postpartum world. I'm, I am interested yeah. to see how that continues to go. But, you know, I've enjoyed the freedom and peace of mind that being pregnant has given me and in, in learning how to view my body in a different way. And it, it reminds me kind of when it does remind me of being an athlete and being a runner and thinking about like fueling my body and like how my body functions instead of how my body looks. And it feels similar yeah. to that in some ways. That just usually feels better than <laughs> being <Yeah>. pregnant. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. I love that perspective. It's like um, the marathon, the race you're currently running is um, growing a human. And how do you need to fuel your body to do that? (laughs) I'm curious too, like, and maybe you've already gone through this now and I'm curious to see if it comes up um, in postpartum, but have you experienced any body grief at all? Body grief? I don't think so. I've had some pretty big shifts in my body throughout my life. You know, in high school, I was really athletic and I felt big at the time. And then I look back and I was a pretty normal athletic looking teenager and gained a lot of weight after college. And then I lost a lot of weight and had gained some of that back. And so I feel like I've seen my body and learned to love my body in a lot of different shapes and sizes. And so just like accepting like, okay, now my body will be what it is. And I don't know what that will look like, but wanting, I am wanting to get I want to be able to walk upstairs again without feeling like yeah. I'm dying or like there's, there's like those like really practical things that I want. And sure. I do want to be able to be healthy and active enough to, to keep up with my kids. Um, totally. Starting with one, keep up with my kid. And then if there's more, <laughs> there might be more. I guess more, we have a dog. Jax is kind of like another kid. Yes, he is. He's a very cute kid. I, I do feel bad a little bit that he'll get less attention soon, but. I'm very curious to see how that goes. (laughs) All right, Kaya, I have one last question for you. Okay. What do you think younger Kaya, maybe childhood Kaya, would think about who you are now? Ooh, I love this question. You know, recently on my social media, I posted a story like where people could submit what they'd tell their younger self. And the responses 
were so good. They were so good. And it's got me thinking a lot about that, about like my younger self. I think that my my younger self, if she could see me now, I want to picture, I'm picturing high school Kaya specifically because that's the the Kaya that you knew. And I also think it's the Kaya that struggled, high school, college Kaya. I think high school Kaya struggled the most, silently struggled the most. I would think she'd be so proud. I think she'd be so freaking proud of the version of me that she is today because I think for multiple reasons, you know, you and I, when I was on my health journey, like my weight loss journey, losing over 100 pounds, Jessica was kind of joined with me on that. And at the time, like I'd lost like 60 or 70 pounds or something. And I think I used to think during that and after that, oh my gosh, younger Kaya is going to be so proud of this Kaya for finally losing the weight. And even my experience and growth in the last year or two after that weight loss, like even looking back on that version of me, I think so much of me has changed too. And I think now it's like, no, younger Kaya would be so proud of Kaya today because she learned how to love herself regardless of her weight and her body and finally realized that loving herself actually had nothing to do with the size or weight of her body. And I wish that she could have known it then. Like I just think about how much more freedom I would have given myself. When I was in high school, I had gotten, again, I went to this rural elementary school and I was in eighth grade and I've always been a people person. And there was only 10 kids in my graduating eighth grade class and we were going to the big high school, right? I was going to have over 300 kids in my class. And I was like, I don't, I'm, I don't know anybody. Like I'm not going to know anybody there. So we had got this flyer to our little elementary school that said there were cheerleading tryouts. At the bottom of the flyer, it said mascot tryouts. And I was like, cheerleading, like you won't catch me dead in a skirt in public. I was like, but I could put on a dog suit, like a a fuzzy dog suit. So when I was in high school, I had tried out and I was the mascot for two years. I was the Atascadero Greyhound. And let me tell you, I think I did a great job. But my cheer coach, because I basically was a cheerleader. I had to go to all the cheer practices. I had to be in part of the halftime routines. I had to do all of the same training and workouts and everything as all the cheerleaders. I even like was supposed to go to cheer camp. I happened to get really sick at the time, so it didn't happen, but that's another story. But my cheer coach and my the cheerleaders tried to convince me over and over again to just be a cheerleader, to just be a cheerleader. And I didn't allow myself to be. I wanted to. I really did. But I didn't allow myself to be a cheerleader because of my legs. I was so afraid of letting my legs being seen. And like earlier, I wore leggings under my shorts in gym class. And like, I remember at our high school, we had a pool and we had in sophomore PE, there was a swim unit. And that was like the most mortifying thing to me of like putting on a bathing suit and being in front of people. I actually don't even think I wore a bathing suit. I think I wore shorts. You wore your shorts. Yeah, I wore my shorts to swim in the pool because I didn't want to wear a bathing suit. And well, every other girl was just changing in the locker room in front of each other because we're all girls. I would go into the bathroom to change because I was so insecure in my body. And if I could just go back and like free younger Kaya or just like let her realize that she wasn't alone in it, I just think about how much more... I, yeah, the word that just keeps coming back to me is like free. How much more free I would have been to do the things I wanted to do and how much less I would have tried to over, I think I would try to overcompensate in other areas of my life. I would, I would literally think in my head, I am the ugliest person in the room because I'm the fattest person in the room. So I'm going to be the funniest, nicest person in the room to make up for it. And I think in, on one hand, people that know me in high school, 
I was a really funny, nice person. Like I had a lot of friends. People really loved me. Like I was a a well-liked person, but I was doing it because part of it is because that's who I was, but also part of it was because I was trying to compensate for the fact that I hated myself and what I looked like so much. And it just breaks my heart to like think about that. And so she would be so proud of how free she is today. She would be so proud. Well, I love that you'll get to share those messages with your nieces and nephews, hopefully get to pass on some of those lessons so the next generation can have a little more freedom sooner. Yeah. Gosh. And you know, I think that's for me, I think when I was, when I started my health journey, my biggest why, I mean, it was my nieces, like wanting to have the energy to keep up with them. But I think now it's when we are able to learn to love ourselves deeper and like invest in ourselves. It's so crazy to me the ripple effects that it has on everyone around you, even even if you might not see it. And I think, yeah, being able to break the cycle, hopefully in my family, when it comes to that relationship with my body, because I do think we inherit so much of our body beliefs from the adults around us, but also just to be able to learn how to love myself. And like I've get, gotten so many messages lately from women saying, I wore a tank top today for the first time in years because of you. Or I bought a bathing suit and I actually went to the water park with my kids. Or I wore shorts for the first time since I was in high school. That matters. And that's why it matters that we heal or that I I feel like it matters that I heal my relationship with myself and continue to like show up and do the things that might still feel uncomfortable because it's a never ending journey because it gives other people the permission to do the same. And I think that that is so freaking powerful and it fuels me now more than ever. I'm just so freaking passionate about it. And like, if you can free yourself, what you don't know is that it's helping free so many other people too. I love that. I love you. I love you. This was so much fun. It was not nearly as bad as I anticipated. (laughs) Were you mortified about it? (laughs) I was, yeah, I I was myself. I was anxious and mortified about it, but you couldn't make sure it was going to be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. I've never done this before being recorded, all the things. I also just felt very pregnant. So I was nervous (laughs) to make it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. Like just a couple hot mess expresses, you know, I just, I love you so much and I cherish your friendship. And I think it's so special too to have a friend that's been through the thick of it with me, you know, like in high school, in college, Jessica even drove cross country with me and our friend Kenny to move me to Kentucky. Um, when I first moved there for my big kid job, you stood by me at my wedding. We've been through so much together and I just super appreciate you. And just, it, it makes such a big difference having a friend that can see you like all parts of you, you know, and celebrate you and, and also be a mirror reflecting back to you who you are because, um, it's easy to forget sometimes. Mm -hmm. I feel the exact same way. I'm so grateful that we've been through all of the journeys we've been through and I'm really, really excited to be in this next stage of life with you too. As you know, I get to tell you the realities of pregnancy and motherhood and hopefully you get to tell me all about traveling Italy next year. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be chasing children. I'm going to be chasing whatever is in Italy, gelato. I'll chase gelato. You chase children. (laughs) But we'll both be chasing our dreams and that's what matters. Exactly. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Well, I hope, sweet listeners, that you enjoyed this very candid conversation with me and my bestie. And if you loved it, I don't know how Jessica feels, but I think you should come back on the show. I think we should have like a 
best friend chats more often here, you can totally tell me no. You can set boundaries. I'm learning how to do those. But um, I, I would be open to that after trying it once. Also would be open to hearing what people would like to know about you um, and what questions they would like me to ask. Yeah. Y'all let me know. Message me on Instagram. What questions do you want to ask? Or also tell me if you think Jessica should be a repeat guest, because I think that if other people agree with me, maybe that can help convince her too. But I think I think it's fun. Um, and I love you so much and I appreciate you. And I thank you so much for stepping outside of your comfort zone and coming onto the show with me. Next time that we're back here, you'll have a child. Oh, That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. That's exciting. It's very exciting. Well, I love you so much. And thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.